good morning, everybody. Man, so good to see everybody today. Can you believe it is August already? First Sunday in August, only a couple of more weeks until school is back. All the parents said, woo! All the kids said, boo, right? Only a few more, a couple more Sundays in the summertime. And I love summertime. How many of you love summertime? Come on. I love summertime. There's something about it that you just kind of get a break from the normal routine of the school year and all the things that that brings along. And hopefully, maybe you get a little bit of vacation and hope that you got to do that this summer. Maybe some of you are still going to do that. And I love that about summer. But there's one thing about summer that it just seems like it kind of happens even to even to us as Christians. Christians even, maybe even as pastors sometimes, that when we get into that summertime, it's really easy to kind of take a vacation from other things, but sometimes easy, easy sometimes to kind of slip into a little bit of a vacation from God. How many know what I'm saying? Like sometimes it's easy to kind of get out of our, out of our spiritual habits and routines and things like that. And that's why this time of year, almost every year here at LifeGate, we kind of set aside August as a month where we really just try to bring everyone's focus back to relationship with God. And that's what this series that we're starting today and through the rest of this month and everything that we're going to be doing this month is really all about to bring us back into focus on our relationship with the Lord, to build our faith and to really get us to begin believing and dreaming for some greater things once again uh, in our lives. And today we're going to begin this brand new series that's really kind of inspired by a book that I read in in the summer, and the name of the book is the same name of the series here today. It's called If. So everybody say if. If. I mean, that's a little bitty word, right? Two little letters, and yet in those two little letters is such incredible power. Like, in this little bitty word, there is this incredible potential and amazing promise. In fact, the word if is defined in the dictionary as this. Check this out. An uncertain possibility. Everybody say possibility. An uncertain possibility, a condition, a requirement, or a stipulation. You know, that's really kind of what's so powerful about this little word, if, is that there is that there is this uncertain possibility. In fact, what's so possible about if is basically that if always leads to then. How many know what I'm saying? Like, if you do this, then that will happen. In fact, it's kind of just basic, you know, seventh grade science. You know what I'm saying? Like, you learn this whole idea of cause and effect, that if I do this, then this will happen. And if I do that, then that will happen. And if I don't do this, then this won't happen. How many know what I'm saying, right? And it's the same way, I think, in the spiritual world that there is this if-then kind of possibility. In fact, throughout the scripture, we actually see tons of if promises from God. I mean, over and over and over, this word is used throughout the scripture. 1,784 times the Bible uses the word if. And over and over, as it uses this word, there's always the then that comes along with it. In fact, I was just kind of brainstorming as I was studying just, just a few of them throughout the scripture. I mean, we find it like in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 that basically where it says, if you will trust in the Lord with what? With all your heart and lean not on all your, on your own understanding, then something will happen. What? Right? God will direct your paths, right? Right? 
We see it again in Proverbs chapter three and verse number nine, where it basically says, if you will honor God with the first fruits of your income, then what will he do? He will open up heaven's windows and he will make sure that your barns are filled and that you are blessed. I mean, we see it in Joshua chapter one and verse eight, that basically says, if you will follow the laws of the Lord and not turn from it to the right or to the left, then you will be successful in whatever you do. How many want to be successful in whatever you do, right, right? And we see this over and over and over. It's in Second Chronicles chapter 7, 14, and 7 and verse 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. We see it in Mark chapter 9 where it says that anything is possible if you believe. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series that sometimes God basically goes, if you will, then I will. And there are all of these if promises that we find throughout the scripture. And we're going to just focus on one every week during this series. And today we're going to start with the one that really kind of is the setup for all of it. In fact, it comes from one of the most powerful chapters in the whole Bible. One of my favorite in Romans chapter eight. So if you have your Bibles, Go ahead and turn with me to Romans chapter eight and get ready. We're going to be, we're going to be reading there in verse, in verse number 31. But before we do that, and while you're getting there, let me just, let me just kind of throw out a kind of a what if scenario for you. And I want you to think about this for a minute. And I I really want you to take this to heart. Like what if you knew that you could not fail? Like, think about that for a second. Like, what if you knew that no matter what happened to you or what came against you or what mistakes that you made, what if you knew that all of those things would somehow kind of come together and actually work out in the end? What if you knew that no matter what came against you or no matter what you struggled with or no matter what happened in life, that there was someone who was on your side and was working for you to make sure that all of that stuff came together? Like, what would you do? What would you attempt? What would you dream? What would you believe for? Who would you reach out to? Where would you go? What would you give? If you knew that no matter what happened in your life, that eventually it was all going to work out for good. Now let's read our verse today. Look what it says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 31. Check this out. This is a huge if. This is so, so awesome. Look what it says. Everybody read it aloud with me today. If God is for us, who can be against us? Man, that's pretty big if then right there. I'm telling you, the Bible tells us that here's what we know. That if God is for us, then no matter what happens to us, nothing can come against us. Nothing can stop us. That if God is really for us, then we can know in our heart that that thing that you said, man, if I knew I wouldn't fail, if I knew that no matter what happened, it would work for my good, if I knew that nothing could stop me, that thing, that dream you had in your heart, that belief that you had, that person that you would reach out to, that money that you would give, that thing is possible today for this very reason, because God is for you. In fact, everybody take your hand, put it over your heart right here, and just say it with me today. God is for me. Come on, say it again and say it like you believe it, like you mean it. God is for me. Now, how many believe that? How many believe God is for you? All right, look around. That's almost every hand in the place said, I believe God is for me. And here's the deal. I think that for many of us, we know this. 
We know, like, you're going, Pastor, you're, you're preaching to the choir here today. Like, I know, I know that verse. That's one of my favorite verses. I got it memorized. God, if God is for me, who can be against me? And I think deep down in our hearts, I think that we know this. But I think sometimes the problem is that we know it, but we don't really, we don't really believe it in the way that we live. I mean, I think sometimes we kind of have this idea that, yeah, I know that, that God is a great God, but I'm sometimes not really sure like if he's really a good God. Because, I mean, I know he's great and I know he can do great things, but I'm not really sure if he would do those things for me. And sometimes even we kind of have this mental image of who God is kind of in our mind that really doesn't go kind of along with this verse. Instead of this mental image of this God that is in our corner and he is for us, we kind of sometimes, especially Especially if you grew up in church, kind of the church type of that I grew up in, you kind of get this idea that God is like this big old mean bully in the sky with these lightning bolts just ready to just shoot him down on you when you mess up. How many know what I'm saying? And so I think down inside we know, okay, yes, I know that God is supposed to be for me and I know that he is a great God. I'm not sure. I mean, if he really is for me and if he really is good, then why am I struggling with the stuff that I'm struggling with? And why did I go through that painful divorce? And why, you know, why did I lose my job? If God is really for me, then, you know, why did my loved one get sick? Or why am I struggling so much with finances? And, and I know Pastor, you said God is for me, but maybe he's for the pastor, you know, and maybe he's for the really super spiritual people. And he's kind of a busy guy anyway with lots of stuff to do. And so why would he really care about me? And here's, here's what we have to understand deep down in our hearts, that God is for you. He's for you, every single one of us, for us personally. And here's what we got to get is that just because God is for us doesn't mean that there won't be problems. It doesn't mean that we won't have pain. It doesn't mean that there won't be struggles in life. But here's what it simply means that even when we have pain and struggles and problems and difficulties in life, that we have a God who goes through that with us. And even in the midst of that, he is working in all of that for our good. So I want to talk about it for a minute today. And what we're going to do is we're going to take this verse, if God is for us, who can be against us? And we're going to break down actually the whole chapter of Romans chapter eight. Now don't get scared. We're not going to be here all day. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at, because see, this verse is really kind of the main theme, the main point of the whole chapter. And we're going to just notice a couple of things that happens when God is for us. If you're taking notes, write these three things down. The first one is this, man, this is so powerful, that if God is for us, look at this, then my past can't condemn me. Now, some of you, you need to hear this today. Like, like, I believe there's some specific people today that you need to hear this, that no matter what you have done, God is still for you. No matter what you've done. See, see, I know some of you go, okay, well, pastor, you know, I know God is for you. I mean, you're the pastor and you got that nice little pastor life. And, you know, you go to church every Sunday and you read your Bible and you pray and you got your whole life. You got it all together and all that. Little do you know, I don't have it all together. I'm a little bit like, I'm a little bit like you. And some of us, we go, ah, that good Christian person. I know God is for them. But pastor, if you only knew what I've done, if you only knew the mistakes I've made. If you only knew where I've been, you wouldn't be saying that God is for me. But here's what I'm telling you is that God is for you no matter what your past says. 
No matter what you've done, no matter the mistakes you've made. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Check this out. Look what it says. It says, so there is now, everybody say this out loud. There is now no condemnation for those that belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And the law of Moses was unable to save us because of our weakness and our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. And he sent his only son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. Here's what the scripture says is that God was for us so much that even though we had sinned and even though our sins are great and they are, I'm telling you, every one of us. And even though we are sinners that God loved us so much that he made a way through his son that what we could never do on our own, that God was so for us that he made a way for us through his son and our past cannot condemn us. Now, here's what we have to understand is that this doesn't mean that there are no consequences for our sins. I mean, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says this, that the wages, the penalty of sin is death. Now, if you stop right there, that would be the most depressing scripture in all of the Bible. The penalty of sin. You're a sinner, buddy. And the penalty of your sin, you're going to die, you know. And if you stop right there, it would be really depressing. But then there's this other word that comes right after that that actually is pretty much just as big and most important of a word as if. And that is the word but. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. See, some of you, all of us, actually, we were dead in our sins, but Jesus butted in. You see what I did there, right? Come on. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, that's a big but right there. That's a big but. Jesus butted into our sin, and here's what what he did. Because God is for us, that no matter what we have done, our sin, our past, it cannot cannot condemn us. Now, I know some of you go, well, I think I believe that, but I just can't seem to kind of get past it because there's all these thoughts and all this stuff that comes into my mind. And I, I you know, I, I know that God has forgiven me, but I can't seem to forgive myself. And the enemy just keeps kind of reminding me of all this stuff. And here's what I would say is that when the enemy reminds you of what is against you, you need to remind him of who is for you. In fact, it reminds me of, of a friend of mine, a pastor friend. He tells a story about his little brother when he was just, when he was just a little boy in the nursery. And, you know, they grew up in a pastor's home, pastor's kids and that kind of stuff. And sometimes pastor's kids can be pretty honorary. How many of you know what I'm saying? I am one, so I can say that. And so, so one day he was in the, actually in the nursery of the church where his dad was the pastor. And he was doing some stuff that, like, you know, he shouldn't have been doing, climbing on some stuff, crawling around, just being an honorary pastor's kid. And the, and the nursery were worker kind of tried to start getting on to him a little bit and he looked at the nursery worker and like just with this mischief in his eyes he said obviously you don't know who my daddy is now I'm just thinking it's not gonna be long till Easton's in the nursery saying obviously you don't know who my daddy is because my daddy's a pastor right and here's the deal is that some, some of you, you know what? The enemy just continues to pile on all the past. And you know what you need to do when he reminds you of what is against you? You need to remind him of who is for you. You need to remind him, hey, you know what? You can bring all that back, but you don't know who my daddy is. Come on. 
If God is for us, then our past can't condemn us. Number two, write this one down. If God is for us, then pain can't harm us. Now, now make sure you get this down, because I did not say that if God is for us, we won't have pain. And I didn't say that if God is for us, that pain won't hurt. But here's what I said, that if God is for us, then pain can't ultimately harm us. You know, I would love to be able to stand here and say, you know, if you become a Christian, God is for you and you just follow Jesus. And that'll mean that you'll never have any pain or any problems or any struggles in your life. And you know what, if I told you that, and there are some preachers that kind of preach that message, but if you know what, it's not the truth. The truth is that even as followers of Christ, we still struggle with problems and pain and difficulties and stuff that happens in our life sometimes. And if I were to tell you that, you know, you won't have any pain or any problems or whatever in your life, then you're going to leave and you're going to have some pain. And then you're going to think, well, God doesn't love me and God is not for me because the pastor said I wouldn't have any problems. And that is not the truth. The truth of the matter is there is pain sometimes. And the pain actually hurts sometimes. But here's the, here's the promise that we have, that the pain, even though it might hurt, in the end, it can't harm us. Because God is for us. In fact, this is what it says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. It says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children of God, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also, what? Share in his glory. And I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That here's the deal, that we will suffer sometimes, but the suffering will produce glory in our life. See, that's the problem that, or the promise that if God is for us, here's the promise is not that we won't have pain, but the promise is that the pain will eventually be for our gain. Some of you, maybe you're here today, maybe you're experiencing some pain in your life and you're thinking, maybe God's not for me. And here's what you need to understand is that maybe God would use that pain in your life to build you into what he has called you to be. Number three, write this one down. If God is for us, man, I love this one. Our problems can't stop us. Let's just do a little survey here today. Raise your hand and help me out on this. How many have some problems? Raise your hand. Now just look at your neighbors telling you got problems. I'm telling you, you got problems. Here's the deal. Like we all have them. Did you notice everybody raise their hand? Because we all have problems. We all got stuff that we face in life, stuff that tries to come against us. We all have bad days. In fact, I just, I came across this. This is just, you know, just sign that maybe, that maybe you've had a bad day. And uh, it goes like this, that, you know, you, you know, you might have had a bad day if you can't find your illustration. You know you might have had a bad day if everyone is laughing but you. That's the way I felt right there. You know you might have had a bad day if it cost you more to fill up your car than it did to buy it. You know you might have had a bad day if it takes three hours to make minute rice. I know that's the way it is sometimes. You might have had a bad day if people give you the senior citizens discount and you're only 37. You might have had a bad day if people send your wife sympathy cards on your anniversary. You might have had a bad day if the bird singing outside your window is a vulture. You might have had a bad day if, your, if the bride's family throws rocks instead of rice. You might have had a bad day if you call 911 and they put you on hold. You might have had a bad day if you tell your wife you'd like to go out or you'd like to eat out tonight. And when you get home, there's a sandwich sitting on the front porch. 
how many would say we all have bad days sometimes? And no one had more bad days than this guy, Paul, who wrote this verse in Romans chapter 8. I mean, just, let's just look at some of the bad days that Paul had in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. It talks about him. He says, I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times uh, without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and I'm not talking about recreationally. I heard about one lady who was reading this verse, and she said, well, at least he got a little relief from all of that. No, that's not what it's talking about. Not what it's talking about. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I was traveling. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the city and in the deserts and in the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers and are not. I have worked hard and long. I have endured many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty. I have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothes to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have daily burden of the concern for all the church. How many would say that Paul had some problems? But what was Paul's response to the problems? Well, it says it in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. Look what he says. Even with all these problems that I've had, therefore I do not lose heart. Though outwardly I am wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day, uh, day by day. Verse 17, he says, for our light and momentary troubles. How many would say that Paul's problems probably weren't very light and they didn't seem very momentary. And yet he says they're light and they're momentary. How in this, in this perspective that they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Paul says, here's what I know is that God is for me. And even when I face problems, that God is for me, even in the problem, that God might actually even use the problem to propel me forward to where he wants me to be. In fact, this word problem, if you study it in the Greek, it's the word problem. Everybody say problem. Most of us, when it comes to problems, we like to blame others, but that's not what I'm talking about. You know what the word problem in the Greek actually means? It actually means to propel forward. Some of you are facing problems and maybe God would want to use that problem to propel you forward. And how in the world could God, how, how in the world could a problem propel us forward? Only one way, if God is for us. See, if God is for us, then here's what we can know, that our past can't condemn us. If God is for, for us, even though we face pain, the, the pain can't ultimately harm us. If God is for us, then even when we have problems, that those problems can actually advance us. They cannot stop us. That Here's what it says in Romans 8 and 28, that God will take it all, all the problems and the pain and our past and all of that stuff, and he will work it together for our good. Why? Because God is for us. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? If God is for us, then no matter what we've done, it, it can't condemn us. If God is for us, then no matter the pain you've experienced or the pain that you are experiencing now, it cannot, it cannot ultimately harm you. That if God is for you, that even the problems of life, that God can turn them around and use them for your good. So if that's the case here today, then the question is this, what do we do with it? Like, what do we, as a, as a person, what do we, as a family, what do we do with this idea that God is for us? 
I just started thinking about it a little bit as we head into this month and as we really begin to focus on prayer and focus on our relationship with God and focus on God's dreams and purposes for us. I just I started thinking about it just a minute. And I just really think that there are three things that you need to do and three things that we need to do together as a church family. The first one is this. If you're writing it down, I want you to I want you to write this in your notes. The first one is this is we're going to dream big. Here's the deal is if God is for us. And we ought to be dreaming some big dreams. And I I just wonder today, what are the dreams that God has put in your heart that maybe you've been afraid to dream them? What are the things that that maybe you've been afraid that, you know, maybe that's too big or maybe I'm not good enough or maybe you've dreamed some dreams in the past and they didn't, the past experiences or past hurts or or the present circumstances and problems have have caused you to not want to, not want to really believe God. And maybe, you know, maybe you thought I've believed God for this stuff before and it didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out. And yet here's what I know is that if God is for us, then, then we can dream big stuff. In fact, I love what one guy says. He says, if God is your partner, then make your plans big. And here's what I want you to see is that God is on your side. He's not against you. He's for you. And so maybe you need to dream some big dreams. Maybe you need to believe for some big stuff. Maybe some stuff that maybe you've put on the back burner, but God has it deep down in your heart. And maybe it's time once again to begin dreaming those dreams. If God is on your side, if God is your partner, then you can, man, you can make your plans big. In fact, it reminds me of this story that I read just a few months ago about a guy, NBA basketball player named Stacy King. I don't know if some of you remember him. He played for the Chicago Bulls back in the days when Michael Jordan, right in the middle of his heyday. And so one night during the playoffs, Michael Jordan scored 50 or 69 points in the game, 69. And then Stacy King, he, he made one free throw. So he, he got one point. Okay. And after the game was over, they were doing an interview and some of the reporters were actually really kind of sarcastically giving him a hard time. And they were like, you know, Stacy, Michael Jordan scored 69 and you scored one. I mean, when you're a grandpa, what are you going to tell your grandkids about this night? And Stacy King looked at him in the face and he said, I'm going to tell them that that was the night that me and Michael Jordan combined for 70 points. You know, I think about that, and here's the deal, is that if God is for you, you know what? You might score one, and God scores the 69, but he's on your side. He's doing the heavy lifting, so you can believe for bigger things and greater things in your life. If God is for us, we're going to dream big. Number two, write this one down. If God is for us, we're going to pray hard. Man, I tell you what, this is actually the reason for big dreams. I know that when I preach a message like this, some people go, why are you talking about bigger stuff? And it's not about bigger and all that. But here's the reason that we dream big dreams is because big dreams force us to pray hard. See, if you can dream a dream that you can accomplish on your own, that you can do on your own, it's not really a God dream because you can do it on your own. But I'm telling you, when you begin to believe and believe God for greater things that you could never do on your own, when you begin to get a dream in your heart that's so big that it scares you and it keeps you up at night, you know what it'll do? It'll force you down on your knees to depend upon God. And that's what we're going to do in this series. That's what I'm challenging you to do that, to understand that God is for you. And if he is for you, that means I can dream some big stuff, but I'm going to have to depend on him to do what I can't do. In fact, that's why today we're in just a few moments, we're going to be giving you an opportunity to write down some of the things that God may be putting in your heart. Some of the things that you need to believe God and you need to pray for. In fact, that's the reason that tonight, everybody say tonight. 
tonight, we're going to come back at five o'clock. And then every Sunday night through the whole month of August, we're going to be here from five o'clock to six o'clock to pray and to believe God to do some big things in your family and in your business and in your life and in our church and in our city and around the world. And we're going to focus this next month to just believing God for big things, dreaming big dreams and getting on our face and praying hard. We're going to dream big. We're going to pray hard. But notice number three, write this one down. We're going to have to stay long. We have to go long. You see, some of you, may, maybe even right now, you've given up on the dream. Maybe God has put a dream in your heart. And maybe, maybe you're even like, you're, you're kind of kicking back and you're going, you know, Pastor, we've done series like this around here before. I mean, I've been here a little bit. And so we've written stuff on the wall and we wrote stuff in circles. And we did all this stuff and I prayed for stuff. And it didn't happen the way that I wanted it to happen. And I just don't know. And maybe, just maybe, maybe that dream God has put in your heart. But maybe it's going to take a little time to see that come to pass. And maybe it's today that you decide, hey, you know, I'm going to dream big and I'm going to believe that God is for me and, and that God is with me and I'm going to get on my face and pray and even if it doesn't happen right away even if it takes a long time I'm going to stick with it I'm not going to give up on the dream in fact in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 it gives us another big if problem or promise and I love what it says it says do not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time you will reap a harvest what if, if what? If you do not give up. Man, I'm fired up today. And some of you go, man, woo, wait, hold on just a second. And the reason I'm fired up is because I believe that there are dreams in your hearts. I believe there are things that are inside of you that God would want to, want to bring to the surface. And some of you, some of you, you're afraid to dream them. Some of you, maybe you've dreamed them before. And you were hurt. Maybe you spoke them and others looked down on you. Maybe you're afraid you're not good enough. Maybe you have this idea in your mind that God, he's a big God. And, and yet he's not really going to intervene in my situation. Why would God listen to me? Maybe it's, maybe it's past situations and circumstances. Maybe it's your past sin. Maybe it's the problem that you're facing now. Maybe it's the pain in your life right now that has caused you to not be able to really, really see what God is wanting to do. And today I believe that God wants to, God wants to put all of that stuff aside. He wants to say, I'm for you and I'm with you. And no matter what you're facing, if you will trust me, if you will, if you will believe in your heart and if you, will, if you will pray and if you will seek my face and if you will stay long enough, that one day you can see my purpose and my plan come to pass in your life. And it may be today might even be the day when it starts.